You love the Word tonight? <clears throat> Amen. Well, let's stand and read very well-known uh, and very recognizable passage out of Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. And we're looking at three men. And uh, let's look at it again tonight. Hebrews 11, 1 to 7. Faith is the confidence that, we, uh, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. It's a great word right there. Faith says it's there when you can't see it. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now, he's going to name some who earned a good reputation. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 7. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So the unseen created the seen. The invisible God created the visible world. It was by faith, and here comes the first man. We talked about him last week. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and that's because he gave a blood offering, a blood sacrifice offering, per the direction of God. All right. And God showed his approval of his gifts. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So Abel's still speaking. Now, we're going to talk about this one tonight. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up or raptured into heaven without dying. Isn't that powerful? He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And now, this verse 6 that we're so familiar with is referring to Enoch. So keep that in mind. This verse, it's impossible to please him, please God, without faith. Now, he's, this is a continuation of talking about Enoch. So this is telling us something about Enoch. Anyone who wants to come to him like Enoch did, must believe what Enoch believed. All right? And what did he believe? That God exists, that's the first thing, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Just gave us a little insight into Enoch that Genesis doesn't give us. Okay? Now, next week, we're going to be talking about this one. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Has the, whole, has, has the world experienced the rapture of millions of people before? Uh-uh. Noah was believing God for something that never happened before, and so are you. Okay. We saw last time, well, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word now, and we thank you for teaching us about Enoch. And thank you, Lord, for teaching us about how faith grows. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you. And let me talk to you now about three stages in faith's development. I'm not talking to you about how to strengthen your faith. We hear a lot about that. Um, and we know that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith is strengthened by hearing the Word of God. That's why you ought to always be reading the Word of God. And, I, and that's going to be my broken record as long as you know me. 
always read the Word of God. But I'm going to talk to you rather about how faith grows, the stages that faith grows through. And so here we go. Abel represents faith's worship. We saw Abel last week. The Bible says that he brought an acceptable offering to God. He worshiped God God's way on God's terms. He didn't try to come up with his own best idea. He obeyed what God had taught the first family, and that is sin is not covered by anything but a blood sacrifice. So that's what he brought to God. And God was teaching all the way back to the first family, preparing humanity for the death of Jesus on the cross. So he started way back then. So Abel represents faith's worship. Enoch represents faith's walk. We're told in Genesis that Enoch walked with God. Well, I love that. I want to walk with God, don't you? That Enoch walked with God, and he was not. I love that. For God took him, and God's going to take you. All right? Now, we also saw last time that you can't have Enoch's walk without first experiencing Abel's worship. These three stages of faith are progressive. One leads to another. Abel's worship was one of surrender. So we must come to God in total surrender before we can genuinely walk with him. You can't walk with God until you fully surrendered to him. You won't. All right? And finally, Noah represents faith's witness. We're told in 2 Peter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Imagine that. There was no Bible. He had Listen, what we have, it's ridiculous compared to what they did not have. He had no Bible. He had no visitation of the Holy Spirit upon the human race. He only had God communicating with him, and yet he was a preacher of righteousness. For 120 years, he preached the approaching judgment of God to a wayward, rebellious generation. They did not believe him. He didn't have one convert. Think about that. 120 years, not one convert. I'd have quit. I'd have given up. I'd have said, you know what? It's not my calling. This dog won't hunt. But think of the faith of this man without one convert and his entire world mocking him for 120 years. He kept on hammering, he kept on building. And he kept on preaching. Wow. If he can do that, we can do this. All right. Three men representing three stages in the growth of faith. Here they are. Say it with me, would you? Faith's worship, faith's walk, and faith's witness. And one leads to the other. Now, let's look at Enoch tonight. An amazing story in the Bible. Enoch was the father of the oldest man in the Bible. Did you know that? He was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah, I haven't looked it up, I'm going from memory, something like 900 and something years old. When he was 500, he started dating. I mean, he lived 900 and something years. So you're talking about, this was before, actually, it was before sin had taken its toll, not only on the human race, uh, but on the created order, on the created order, because they lived so long before the flood. 
They lived so long. The Bible records that Enoch walked with God for 300 years following the birth of his son, Methuselah. 300 years he walked with God after Methuselah was born. This was a long time. Think about this. For a man to live a holy life without any relapse of note. Think about it. It's difficult for a lot of Christians I know to make it a single day. He made it 300 years without a relapse. The fact that Enoch lived a holy life with no Bible, no Pentecost, and no fellowship that we know of for 300 years, three centuries, is jaw-dropping. Think if you had been around since the 1700s. And not one time have you relapsed. Everybody say, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. The testimony of the book of Genesis on Enoch. Genesis tells us this about him. And Enoch walked with God. This is what Hebrews was quoting. Enoch walked with God and he was not because God just flat took him. He was walking with God, walking down the road one day, and he was not. And that's exactly what the rapture of the church is going to be like. And that's why I want to get into this, because this is face walk. He was walking along one day, and suddenly he was not. And they started looking for him, and they couldn't find him. Where's dad? Where's uncle? Where's my husband? They couldn't find him because he was gone. He was taken from the earth, and he's, he's the first raptured man just goes to show you that when God wants to rapture you, take you, he can and he will. Now, there's something very important in the phrase walked with God. The Christian life is often called a walk, walking with Jesus. You know, one example in Ephesians 4, we're to walk circumspectly, that is wisely, always on the watch, always on the alert, looking around for the enemy, being very careful how you walk, how you conduct yourself, how you live. Not as a fool, but as a wise person. So notice he calls it a walk, a walk. In Old Testament days, the phrase walking before God was used more often than anything else to describe somebody godly. Walking before God. To walk before God in those days meant that you led a life of devotion. You were walking before God. But guess what? We're told that Enoch walked with God. And I have not been able to find that phrase used about anybody else in the Bible in the Old Testament except Noah. Enoch walked with God. So powerful. Enoch didn't just walk before God. He walked in close fellowship with God, and that's what God wants you and I to do. We're to walk with God. And there is no greater privilege than to walk with God right next to you walking with him every day, right next to you, fellowshipping with him, talking to him, listening to him, sharing with him, enjoying his presence. That's what the blood purchased you and purchased for you and me, walking with God. Now, the Bible says his walk with God pleased God. How many of you want to please the Lord? Don't you? Have you noticed that as soon as you got saved, you got a new desire? And that desire was to please God. I think that's one of the the, the landmarks of somebody that's genuinely been saved. 
When you've really and truly been saved, you get a, you get a Holy Ghost want to do. I want to please God. I want to walk with God. And it grieves you when you fail him. It grieves you when, you when you fall short. It grieves you when you sin. You feel grieved on the inside because it has broken your walk with God. So the first thing you want to do is get it right so you can restore that walk. See, when a Christian falls, he doesn't repent to get his salvation back. He repents to get his walk back. Now, what was it about his walk that pleased God? Well, let me just give you three things. The first one is he walked in agreement with God. Now, how do I know that? Because of what the Bible teaches me about the necessity of agreement in a relationship. Listen to what the Bible says. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, well, and here's another version, the message. Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Isn't that a great way to put it? I mean, if you got somebody's hand and they're going south and you're going north, you can't walk together. And that's why we know that you can't walk with God if you're going a different direction from him. You've got to be in agreement with God. You've got to bow. And here's where we go, where we go back to Abel. Abel agreed with God. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, so let me move on here. Our entire relationship with God, think about it begins on the grounds of agreement with him. We must agree with God that we are in sin or we can't even be saved. See, you can't even be saved unless you came into agreement with God. Because God says about you and me, you're in sin. You're lost. You're condemned. And unless you come to me, you will stay lost. And if we don't agree with that, we're going to stay lost. So we wouldn't even be here tonight if we had not had a place somewhere back there where we agreed with God. you got to agree with God and His Word that Christ's blood is the only answer for our sin. There isn't any other answer, church. Nobody else died for you. Muhammad didn't die for you. Buddha sure didn't die for you. Confucius didn't die for you. There's no other person in history that claims to have died for you. There's only one blood that can wash your sin away. Only one blood sacrifice that can take care of the condemnation that is over you. There is only one blood that can release the shackles of condemnation and sin off of you, and that's the blood of Christ. And you've got to agree with that or you remain in the darkness. If we come to a place of disagreement with God over any fundamental issue, such as how we're saved, the call to a sanctified life, a sin issue in our life? Have you noticed that when it comes to an argument between you and God, He always wins? See, you don't go into a debate with God and win. He just kind of waits for you to break. Because He's always right. Thank God He's always right. See, if if we come into a place at any time in our Christian walk, at any moment when we disagree with God on anything fundamental, then the relationship is immediately strained and broken. And that's when you've got to make up your mind. What's more important to me, my walk with God or this thing, whatever it is? And if you're a real child of God, it'll tear you up until you decide for him. And that's just a fact. 
We've got to agree with God every single day to walk with God every single day, okay? Remember Abel's offering? It was accepted by God because it was in agreement with the will of God. Cain, on the other hand, had disagreed with God's requirement and brought an offering that God rejected because it was his own, his own best idea. It wasn't God's will. He brought God a vegetable offering. God is not a vegetarian. God requires a blood sacrifice. And now Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. And there never needs to be another one. But you've got to go to that one. All right? So Enoch walked in harmony with God because they were agreed. Are you agreed with God tonight? Are you in agreement with him? Is there something in your life where you're just fighting God? Say, Lord, I, I like everything else you want me to do, but I just don't like this. You know what? The minute you finally surrender and say, Lord, I give this to you as well, you're going to be flooded with the peace of God. But you've got to come into agreement. You've got to come into agreement. And, and I know that this is what Enoch had to have done or he could not have walked with God. So he lived a life in agreement with God, and that's one thing that pleased the Lord. Now, the second thing I know had to be the case is he walked humbly with God. Now, we know this to be true because of the teaching of Scripture on humility. You know, I could take a whole night on humility. I could take a whole month on humility. I've been around long enough. I'm 56 years old now. I gave my life to the Lord fully, got filled with the Spirit, got, I mean, sold out and started preaching when I was 18. I've watched a lot of life in 38 years. And you know what I've seen for sure? What we're about to read that Micah told the people of God in his day. If you want to know how to please the Lord, here it is. People, Micah said to the people of God in his day, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. Here they come. Three things. Do what is right. Love mercy. And then look where it says walk humbly with your God. That's how you walk with God. Now, do you notice the three requirements given for the person seeking God? Here they are saying with me, do the right thing. Love mercy and walk in humility. Well, what's humility? You know what for me humility is? Just tell the truth about you. You should never look in the mirror and sing the song, there is none like you. That's for God. That's for God. See, Paul says, what do you have that wasn't given to you? What talent do you have that wasn't given to you? Anything you can do well that you think you can strut about, if you tell the truth, you can't strut. You've got to give God the glory. If you give God God the glory, it takes all the strut out. You've seen people walk around like peacocks. They think they're really something. They can sing. They can dance. They can write. They can whatever. But the truth be known, they couldn't do any of it if God hadn't given it to them. Couldn't do any of it. So if you just tell the truth and give God the glory, then that takes care of your pride issue. Humility is directly linked to walking with God. You cannot walk with God if you're not walking in humility. That is, you won't sense his presence. You know what the Bible says? Pride and humility are very powerful with God in totally opposite ways. 
Pride is like the opposite poles of a magnet. When I was a kid, I was fascinated with magnets. And I used to get these, these powerful magnets that you created with a battery. And I noticed, or you can get the horseshoe magnet. You can get two horseshoe magnets. And if you try to put them together, they repel each other. You can't make them meet. But if you turn one of them around, they attract. So with two magnets, you either have a repulsion, a repelling, pushing away from each other, or you have them attracting each other. Pride pushes you, put it better, pushes God away from you. If you walk in humility, he is, his, his grace is drawn to you. Pride pushes God away. When you strut, when you don't give God the glory, when you take credit for something he did. Now, humility is so far from an inferiority complex It's one thing to feel like God made junk when he made you. He didn't make no junk when he made you. You're the creation of God. I'm not talking about having an inferiority complex where you're down on yourself all the time. I'm talking about humility. And humility is when you give God the glory. Look at what the Bible says. Scripture says God opposes the proud. But he gives grace. He gives, how many of you want grace? Oh man, he gives grace to those that are giving him the glory. You know, I mean, I've, I've had a habit for ever since I started pastoring when I, 30, when I was 30 years old. After every service, I go home. And I've told you this before, but I'll just tell you again tonight. I go, when I go home, I look for a place. I usually go straight to uh, my study and I get on my knees and I give God the glory for what happened in church. I give God the glory for the people. I give him the glory for the salvation. Sunday morning, 10 people came to Christ for the first time in their life. 10 people. But now, there's no strut in me about that. If I strutted about that, if we strutted about that, then we're fools. And we don't really see the way it really is. That that cannot happen apart from the Holy Spirit of God moving. And so giving God the glory is just telling the truth. It's just telling the truth. Okay? Look look at this one. Oppose. Uh, The word oppose, translated into oppose, comes from a word meaning to range in battle against, to set oneself against. When it says God resists or opposes the proud, it's so strong. It's telling us he ranges himself against you. He, he sets himself against you. Now, that doesn't mean he's not for you, but it means he's repelled by the pride. And he sets himself against the proud person. You know what he's going to do with the proud person? If you don't humble yourself, God's going to do it for you. And I want to suggest to you, you do it quick. And don't make God have to do it for you. Because when God humbles you, it's worse than if you do it yourself. Well, Pastor Jeff, you're making me afraid of God. No, 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 no. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't humble you. Because pride comes before a fall. So he will humble you before your pride 
causes you to fall. You show me somebody walking in pride, it's only a matter of time. We'll hear something somewhere down the road. We'll hear about it. They fell. They stumbled. Something happened. Pride precedes a fall. Guaranteed. So God says, humble yourself. Give me the glory and stay humble. And you will insulate yourself from falling. King David said, you rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. David said that. All right? Now look at this one. Psalms 138. He went on to say, though the Lord is high, yet he has respect to who? The humble. Bringing them into fellowship with him. Who's he bringing into fellowship with him? The humble. But the proud and the haughty, he knows and recognizes only at a distance. I don't want God at a distance from me. I want him right here. Right here. I want to walk with him right here. And so, you know, what? I give God the glory. And man, I'm telling you, I give God the glory. If something powerful happens, I'm the first. I'll give God the glory because I want him going, come here, Jeff. Come here. Come on. Let's walk together. Come on. Like I do my, my little dog. I did it today. I, I, I love my dog and Ollie. He got skunked a couple of weeks ago, but you know what? I loved him even, even when he was skunked. And God loves you even when you've been skunked. But I called him, and I just got his head right here. And when he came to me, he, if you notice, the dog always approaches you humbly. They, they, they come up, you know, like you are. I wish I was what my dog thinks I am. <laughs> I wish I was because, you know, who else is going to act like the second coming of Jesus every time you walk in the door? <clears throat> and so, you know, I, they, they approach you humbly. They approach you the way you and I are to approach God. And it makes me want to get him in my presence. That's the way God is. Now, humility actually attracts God's grace. Look what it says. God gives grace to the humble. Enoch walked humbly with God. And that's one of the things that pleased God. So you got Enoch. He's walking humbly with God. And he's walking in agreement with God. Now let's look at the last one. He walked by faith. And that's one of the big testimonies of the Bible about him. By faith. It says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found, even though everybody was looking for him, they couldn't find him because God had translated him. That is so powerful to me. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then, now it's going on talking about Enoch. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Enoch pleased God, and without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. God responds to faith. Now, a lot of things are said about faith. I'm going to tell you what faith means to me. Faith to me, and and this is what I think the Bible teaches about it. Faith is you have an option You have an option to let circumstances or the Word of God control your emotions, control your life. 
You can be focused on the wind and the waves, or you can be focused on him. Faith often says, tells you, that what you're looking at is not the way it shall be. And you've got to decide, am I going to walk by faith or am I going to walk by sight? The just shall live by his faith, not by circumstances, but by the word of God. See, this is very simple. How, how many times do you watch the weather? And the weather says when it's clear, blue, sunshiny, and nice out, yet that guy will come on and say, in three days, it's going to be a thunderstorm. It's going to be dark. It's going to be tempestuous. Uh, 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 the temperature is going to drop 20 degrees. But you look outside and you go, doesn't look that way to me. But just because the weatherman tells you that, you believe it. You believe it. And you start getting ready. Well, uh, we better, you know, let the umbrella down and we better get the jackets out because that cold weather and that rain and, and we need to get, the, need to get our umbrella and, and because the rain's coming. And, and, and somebody might look at you and say, well, what are you talking about? It's clear blue and nice out. The weatherman told me so. Okay, here's your weatherman. Here it is right here. And what does the weatherman say? Well, the weatherman says all kinds of things. If you want to go to the book of Revelation, the, the, the weatherman says that all kinds of storms and tornadoes and earthquakes and trouble is coming. That's what the weatherman says. The weatherman says that one day we're going to be walking along and we're not going to be. That's what the weatherman says. The weatherman says that you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. The weatherman says that he always makes you to triumph in Jesus Christ. The weatherman says that it may be dark for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The weatherman says all kinds of things. And the bottom line is, are you going to live by the weatherman, or are you going to live by what you see? Man, I'll tell you what now. See, the just shall live by his faith. Enoch, we are told, was caught up into heaven. How, everybody? By faith. I thought about this. There's a lot we don't know at this point. The Bible doesn't tell us. Did he pray to God that he would not die? We don't know. Was he simply, unexpectedly, caught up to heaven without any foreknowledge of it? He's just walking with God like always, had no idea he was about to be caught up? Here's what I think. And just based on looking at the Word, it would seem to me he had some idea of the possibility, for the Scripture suggested that he believed by faith that God could and would do it. Now, I get that another way as well. I'm not just making, taking poetic license here. Elijah was the same way. Elijah was told that he was going to be caught up. He's a second raptured man. And he was told he was going to be caught up. He, he knew it so much, he told Elisha, you better keep your eye peeled on me. If you keep your eye peeled on me and you see me go up, so he knew he was going up. You see me go up, you're going to get a double portion of my anointing. 
okay? And so Elijah's walking along, and I'm telling you, Elisha, even when they slept at night, he got one eye open. He's looking. <laughs> he said, you're not going up without me seeing it. He was drinking a lot of coffee, saying, ah, you're not going up without me seeing it. And one day we're told Elijah was caught up in chariots of fire, and all that Elisha could say was, <laughs> my master, my master, I see. In other words, he was saying, translated, I see ya. And down from the sky fell Elijah's mantle. He scooped it up, and he said, let's see if I got it. And he walked over to the river, and he said, in the name of the Lord God of Elijah, and he smote that river, and it went, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. So I, I, I'm, I'm conjecturing here that since Elijah knew it, that Enoch had some sense that God was going to do it. I believe Enoch's faith resembles uh, Mary's faith, who said to the angel after being told she would bear the Christ child, she said to the angel, be it unto me according to your word, even though she had been told something totally, utterly, stupendously astounding. She just said, be it unto me according to your word. And it happened. I think he's, I think somehow God communicated with him either the outright promise or just the possibility of missing death by being transported into heaven entered the equation as Enoch walked with God and he said, in essence, be it unto me according to your word. Powerful stuff. Enoch pleased God by a life of faith. He believed that God was a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Folks, if I could just tell you the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus, that there is nothing he won't do in your life. He will do wonders in your life if you walk in faith's walk. Walk with God. As a result, the Bible says Enoch was the first raptured man by an act of faith. The Message Bible says Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. And there's going to be a huge manhunt in the last days for millions of people who are going to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Three times in one verse, it says that he skipped death altogether. Enoch's walk of agreement and humility and faith is a message to the church, to you and me, to do the same. Can we walk in agreement with God? Can we walk in humility before God and give him the glory? Can we walk in faith and believe what the weatherman says and not what circumstances tell us at the moment? Because soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Can we stand together? God is good all the time. He loves you so much tonight. The Lord loves you.
The Lord wants to bless you. Uh, the Lord wants to make you laugh because of the incredible things he's done in your life. The Lord wants to astound you. The Lord wants to blow you away with his goodness. He doesn't want you just eking by. Do you know that? Father, we thank you right now that you do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think of. And we thank you, Lord, for Enoch's walk of faith. Help us, Lord, to model, to learn from him and model his life and walk in agreement with you and not let anything cause us to come in disagreement with you. And, Lord, that we would walk in that humility that attracts God, attracts his grace, and that we'd walk by faith. We thank you for it, Lord. Can you take a minute? And if you want to just pray and say, Lord, help me to do that. Help me to live that way. Take a minute and just pray. God is so God is so